Hello, and welcome to Joy Christian Community Church. Each week we strive to bring you Bible-based, Christ-centered teaching so that you will grow alive, deep, and bold in the love and knowledge of Jesus. And now, here's Pastor Clayton with this week's message. There are certain songs in life that we just like to sing along to, right? Some songs are simply fun and just kind of lift our spirits. Do you know the, the movie Singing in the Rain? Gene, Gene Kelly? There's one song in there, Good Morning, right? Good morning, good morning. I'm not going to sing it all for you, but, but that one just kind of lifts our spirits. You know, our toes tap a little bit, and there are just songs that do that. But there are other songs that not only lift our spirits, but lift our soul up. They are sublime. One is, and I love it, and we're going to sing it at the very end today, How Great Thou Art. Love that song. O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hand hath made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Isn't that a wonderful song, just the words themselves, lift your soul up in praise. So this morning, the third Sunday of Advent, which is called Gaudet Sunday. Gaudet is Latin for rejoice, and it comes from our reading from Philippians. Gaudet is rejoice. We are going to learn a song from Scripture, and it is a song of joy. It is a song of rejoicing. It is a song called the Magnificat. It is Mary's song. And Magnificat in Latin means to magnify or exalt. My soul magnifies the Lord. So this morning, let us be lifted up in our soul, exalting in the Lord. Now, as a song goes, I've kind of structured it as a song. So there's an overture. And four stanzas. If you've got your sermon note, it was on the back of our opening for the Advent. If you've got sermon notes, you can follow along. It begins with the overture. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 and 40. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into a hill country to a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, overtures are part of a song that set the mood for what is to come. This particular overture starts off in a rather ordinary manner. We know that Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel. She was told she was going to conceive. Then she goes to visit her her cousin, Elizabeth. It's pretty ordinary. And when she went to visit Elizabeth, when she finally got and arrived there, I don't think she ran up and said, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. It was probably more just like, hello, hi, Elizabeth. But how the overture then starts is very different. Have you ever been to a symphony where it begins with a clash of cymbals like, Nobody reacted to that at all. Are you alive? Come on. I know I don't have the cymbals, but there's a loud clash. There's a bang. Or the trumpet sound with a fanfare. Da, 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 da. 
Well, what happened when John the Baptist in the womb heard Mary? What happened? He jumped for joy, didn't it? Now, ladies, women, those who have had uh, children, you know, there's the basic movement, but there's a move sometimes like, whoa, what's happening? Here, John the Baptist literally jumps for joy. That shouldn't surprise any of us, though, because who is John the Baptist? He is the herald of Christ. He is the one who pronounces and says, make ready the way. So when he is in the presence of the Lord, even though the Lord is in the womb as well, he is filled with joy and jumps announcing the arrival. And then Elizabeth, she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's not by her intellect, it's not by her reasoning, it's not by women's intuition that she knows who is in front of her because it is the Lord. She says, why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? See, being filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing who Jesus is, that's where faith is born. And in faith, she exclaims to Mary. And then Mary, filled with the Holy Spirit as well, and faith, uh, says, says this, and blessed, uh, she says this to, to uh, Mary, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So Elizabeth is saying this to Mary, and blessed is she who believed Right? There's a statement of faith. Blessed is she who believes. Favored by God is she who believes God's word. That's the overture. It is an overture of joy, of faith in the Lord. You know, you and I, we talk about feel the joy. It has that on our t-shirt, right? It has that on the coffee cup. Feel the joy. But it is not this, uh, just this thing that we do but it is in faith. See, if you want to have joy this Advent season, this Christmas season, it's not about all the lights and all the twinkling stuff. It is about faith in the one who has come. You want joy? Believe. So, that's the overture. And now we begin Mary's song, The Magnificat. It is of joy and glory. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. The first stanza, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. There it is. That is is the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. Now, when we say that Mary is magnifying the Lord, we don't mean that she is making the Lord greater than he is, for he is already great. She is not bestowing upon him something more. What she is doing is she says she glories in the Lord, or she exalts in him. 
So it says this in Psalm 69. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. So Mary's song is very scriptural. It comes, there's from the psalm. Or from Psalm 113, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So she's lifting up her voice to the glory of God. And Mary also is singing why she glorifies God. It starts off very softly in the first stanza. We're going to get that into the second and third stanza more. But she magnifies the Lord because he has looked on her humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Listen, from our whole Advent series that we've been doing, we see time and time and time again, God bestowing favor, not on the rich, not on the powerful, not on the mighty of the earth, but those who are humble, who know God, who don't have that excessive pride in their hearts. So he bestows favor upon her. And she is blessed. Remember, we talked about that last week. Blessed is that God bestowed favor upon her. And she is blessed because of that for all generations. So Mary lifts up her soul, giving glory to God in humbleness, in humility for who he is. Now let's focus on more reasons why she sings her song. The second stanza. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, for, and his name is holy, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Remember, when we talk about fear, it is the utmost respect and reverence. That's what we're talking about. But what Mary talks about in this second stanza, she talks about three or sings, I should say. It's an aria. She sings about three characteristics, or we call them attributes of God. So there are three characteristics or attributes of God that she mentions. The first one is mighty. The first one is mighty. The one who has come to Mary who has shown favor upon her, is the Almighty One. In the Old Testament, there are a number of names for God. One is El Shaddai, the Mighty One. This is the one who created the heavens and the earth. This is the one who said with his voice, let there be, and there was. This is the one whose power knows no limit. This is the one who brings life where there is no life. This is the one who brings those who are spiritually dead to life. And by the way, you and I confess this same thing every week in the Apostles' Creed and then also in the Nicene Creed. I believe in God, the Father who... Almighty. These are not just words that you say. This is a statement of belief. I believe. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And then in the Nicene Creed, it says, of all that is seen and unseen. This is Mary's song. The might of God. The might of God and holy is his name. Now, we've spoken about this in the Bible study quite a bit in various messages throughout but the name of God. In the Old Testament, when you see the word Lord, all in capital letters, it stands for Y-H-W-H, which we pronounce Yahweh. God's name was so holy and precious, they didn't want to put any vowels in there. And so they put just Y-H-W-H, which we believe is Yahweh, but they didn't even want to mispronounce that, so they used Adonai, which stands for Lord. And so when you see Adonai, or Lord, in all capital letters in the Old Testament, it stands for Yahweh, and this is God's holy name. This is the name he revealed to Moses. It is the name I am. I am the self-existent God, eternal God. He has no beginning. He has no end. And who he is by his own nature is holy, pure, undefiled, set apart from everything else. So holy is his name that if you look in the book of Revelation around the throne, You have the angelic creatures day and night singing what? Do you remember? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. To say holy three times is to say in the highest ability that we have in the language of his holiness, of his purity, of his righteousness. And you and I, by the way, We profess this also every week. Every week we sing or say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So did you know that you're singing the same song as Mary? Bet you didn't know that. Singing the same song. He is a mighty God. He is a holy God. He is a merciful God. So what is mercy? We have talked about this a number of times, but repetition is good. What is mercy? Not receiving what you deserve. That God withholds judgment against our sin. See, many people reject this about God. They say God would never judge so harshly against sin. But you have to understand, remember, God is holy, pure, undefiled. He cannot have the presence of sin in his sight. It is a stench. And he has a judgment against that sin, and that is the wrath of God against that sin. And his judgment against all sin is eternal separation from him. And we call that hell. 
And that's what you and I all deserve. But God is merciful, right? And in his mercy, he withholds judgment for all who have received his son, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. Paul in Ephesians. Let's tie this to Paul in Ephesians now. Chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in himself towards us in Christ Jesus. You want to know the Christmas story? The Christmas story is one of grace and mercy. The Christmas story is the judgment of God against sin. And he will never let his wrath down against sin. But God sent his son in mercy to pay the full price for us. And God in his mercy has sent us a son. And what is the son's name? Jesus. And what is another name? Also Emmanuel. Do you remember that last week? Emmanuel means God with us. And Jesus means the Lord is salvation. God in his mercy sent his son, God with us to save us from our sin. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. God came to be with us to save us from our sin. And God in his grace gives salvation to all who believe. John chapter 1, verse 12, 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of, by the blood or will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. That's the Christmas story. And that's what we're going to be celebrating coming up in just next week, right? Next week. So Mary's singing her song. It's this wonderful aria. I love the second stanza. It is about God being mighty, God being holy and merciful. And that's what's lifting her soul up to the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord for he is mighty, holy, and merciful. Are you singing that song? That's a good song to sing. But there's more to this. Now the third stanza. See, Mary is talking about, first of all, the, what God has done for her, but now she expands it to what has God done for everyone. She says and sings, he has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. See, in Mary's song, we find that God uses his power to humble the proud and raise the humble. She sings that God will scatter the proud in the thoughts of their heart. Do you know, in some songs, there is a, it's this wonderful, but then you get a little dark tone that goes under it. You know that one? It's almost a, a discord of some sort, and it, it catches your ear. This one catches my ear, and, and it gives me great pause. Because if you really read it, 
he will scatter the proud in the thoughts of their heart. It doesn't say the ones who are outwardly proud, does it? The ones who are outwardly uh, prideful, it says in your heart, the thoughts of your heart. And I'm thinking, whoa, that slows me down quite a bit because I can be awful prideful in my own heart. You know, I'm not just, I'm not just right, but others are just wrong. You know, kind of like that. You, you got that one, right? We often say pride goes before what? Yeah, we covered this one before. It's actually a little different. Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Destruction's even worse, isn't it? It's not just a little trip, it's destruction. Now, sometimes our pride happens in a humorous manner. There's um, a fellow, actually his name's Brad Henry, and he was living in Phoenix. And it was early morning, and he, um, he, wanted, he was tired, you know, just tired, not really paying attention. He had to wake up. He went to Dunkin' Donuts, going to get some uh, donuts and coffee. So he pulls up to the window, and he says, three cake donuts and coffee. And the woman at the window just mumbles a response, and he can't understand her at all. And he says, three cake donuts and some coffee. And she's mumbling again. He's thinking, look, if you just open up your window, it would be fine. I could hear you. And finally, he does it again. She mumbles again. He says, all right, I'm going to just stick my head in her window and tell her what I want. And he went whack against his own car door window. He hit his head so hard, he almost felt stars. And she was just laughing, you know. And uh, he eventually got his coffee and donuts and went on his way. Sometimes our pride just uh, embarrasses us and gives us a bruises on our head. But God's talking about a little bit more here. You know, the heart here and thinking us so prideful and all-powerful and the mighty ones, the ones who are rich and control many things and try to live their life in such a way to be better than everybody else. God says, no, that's going to lead to destruction. But for those who are humble, God offers comfort. And that's also why I like this stanza the comfort that God offers. Here, Mary says he has filled the hungry with good things. This, this is a reflection of the Beatitudes. And in our Bible study, we spent, I don't know, three, four weeks on just the Beatitudes, the part, and we're working our way through a Sermon on the Mount. But they're so rich and, and beautiful. And here on Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Isn't that Mary's song there? See, those who are hungering after God and his righteousness, who know that they have nothing to offer him and everything comes from him. That's a beautiful melody. So we hear God's soothing mercy and grace in his steadfast love. You know, if you want to sum up Mary's song, it is this, my soul magnifies the Lord in his mercy. He brings the promise of eternal life. And that's actually the fourth stanza here. 
Verse 54, 55, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever, ever. There are some songs, some concerts that at the very end, you hear the string orchestra part of it playing and it sounds celestial. It just leaves you looking forward and very calm and assured. And this is this part of the song that Mary sings that it's like this beautiful spring night, maybe in Arizona, where everything is just this beautiful sunset and you're resting there and everything is right with the world. Can you picture that? That's this song. Because this song speaks of the promise, eternal promise of God. Just as God was with his people, Israel, and he had mercy for Israel, he promised to do that for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and he promised Moses that he would bring his people out of slavery into the promised land. He promised to redeem his people, you and I. And there's a promise of eternity with him. You see, this part of the song encompasses not just the past. It's not just from before. It is for the future. It's a song made full by Jesus. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 5 now. And we're, I think at one point we're going to do a study on 4 and 5. It's about the throne of God, and it's just a wonderful study. But around the throne of God, chapter 5, book of Revelation, you hear myriads and myriads of angels singing this song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in the insane to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory forever and ever. And as a song made full in book of Revelation chapter 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Who is Jesus? Emmanuel, God with us. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. That's the song of Revelation. Isn't that beautiful song where you just sit and you know that all is well. The song of Mary. The song of Mary is this, my soul magnifies the Lord in his mercy. He brings the promise of eternal life. That's joy. That's joy. Are you singing that song? Are you singing that song this morning? See, at the name of Jesus, what song does your heart sing? Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. God's peace and joy in Christ Jesus be with you.